Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Primal Potential is about you. Your ability to change is not defined by yesterday and doesn't need to wait until tomorrow. Your transformation is now. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome back or welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and I'm pretty happy today because this is a reader request episode. Uh, My email readers requested this episode and I love doing that. I love hearing about what you guys want to dive into, what topics would be helpful. So thank you to all of you who requested this episode and it was quite a few of you because it came from an email I sent out a few weeks ago on managing misunderstandings. And before we dive into that, I just want to say, if you have something that you're like, oh, this needs to be a podcast episode. Oh, I wish you would talk about this. Tell me. Go to primalpotential.com forward slash inbox, primalpotential.com forward slash inbox, and tell me whatever that is. One of my very favorite things is to talk about what you need or what you want. And we do that every week on the Saturday shows with Q&As. But I've said this before, it's been too long since I've said it, but this really is your show. And the only way I add value is when I'm talking about things that are valuable to you. So if there is something on your mind, you've been looking for an episode on it and you haven't found it, let me know. Primalpotential.com forward slash inbox or DM me on Instagram. Social media-wise, that's where I am the most. Instagram, at Elizabeth Benton. Let me know, and we will make it happen. So here's how this all shook up. A few weeks ago, as I said, I sent out an email on managing misunderstandings, and the response was really positive. Lots of people just said, thank you, this was so helpful. I needed this. How did you know? And then many people said, do more on this. I need to hear more on this. Make it a podcast. The reason for that, I think, is that misunderstandings are really the origin for a lot of tension, a lot of drama, a lot of distance, a lot of frustration and stress. And if we immediately recognized that it was just a simple misunderstanding, and if we were in the habit of practicing tools for managing misunderstanding, we could avoid the the stress, the drama, the tension, the argument, the distance between us and somebody else. But a lot of times, we don't recognize it as such. And even when we do, it's like it's blown up so quickly that we're not sure how to get it back in check. And I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but I know I have felt completely confused or frustrated by how a misunderstanding happened in the first place and then how it snowballed so quickly into a real issue. And in the last, gosh, probably mostly in the last six months, but but over the last year, 
I've gotten a lot better at managing misunderstandings and probably because I've had a lot more different kinds of relationships in my life, not just my relationships with clients or my relationships with family, but, you know, here at my house with my partner managing pregnancy, managing a total home renovation, multiple contractors, lawyers, architects, and then building the Primal Potential team out, it's just given me a whole whole other level of practice on this topic of managing misunderstandings. And it began, why I wrote this email a few weeks ago, began because I had a really great opportunity to practice this in my own life. Sidebar on that. When we can see misunderstandings, not as like, oh, an annoyance, a frustration. Why are people so hard? Why is adulting so hard? When we can see it as an opportunity to build a skill, I think it takes a lot of the negativity out of the situation. It takes almost all of the drama out of the situation because I know that for me to get better at managing and avoiding misunderstandings altogether and therefore having more peace in my life and having easier relationships in my life, I have to have misunderstandings come up to practice with, you know, to do this work. Otherwise, I don't have the skills that I need to get better. So here was what prompted the email that I sent out. And I'm just going to kind of recap the email so everybody's on the same page. I know not all of you got it. I know not all of you read it. But I had my, my contractor who's doing my home renovation and his foreman in my house at 7.30 in the morning. We'll call a contractor Jack, even though that's not his real name. What prompted this meeting was that the contractor and the foreman made some departures in the work being done on the house away from what the engineer approved and what the town approved. And when I noticed it, I was like, Mm, why did this change? Did you get approval? Did the engineer say it was okay? Basically, I sent a text message that evening and I said, can we agree that when changes are being made, we need to get the engineer's approval before we make the change and that if there are changes being made to save me money, that they are discussed with me and not decided for me and he said, let's meet, right? So I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> it's always better in face than in face-to-face than, than over text message. But I'm like, all right. So they show up at 7.30 in the morning, and, I, and they basically said, you know, what's going on? And I just reiterated. I said, if changes are going to be made from the plans that have been stamped by the engineer and by the town, can I be informed ahead of time? Can the engineer approve before we make the change so we don't lose any unnecessary time? And if it's about money savings for me, include me in the conversation instead of deciding for me. So Jack, the contractor, tilts his head back and sighs and says, all I ever hear from you is that this project isn't going fast enough. And a former version of me would have said, um, huh? I've never said that in my whole life. And my defenses would have gone up. He's wrong. I'm right. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I do. I've never said that. Immediate defensive mode would have been my past response. 
ego, right? Drama. And a desire to be right. When I feel right, a desire to prove it, which then implies that they're wrong. And that might actually be true, but totally not part of the puzzle when the goal is to manage misunderstandings. Because that's what this was. This was a misunderstanding. And because this is a skill that I'm working to build, and quite frankly, the primary reason I'm working to build this skill is to have a happier, more peaceful life and better relationships, right? Not not to be a hero, not to be Mother Teresa, but just to have more peace in my life and easier relationships and easier communication, less drama. In this moment, I immediately realized that there was a misunderstanding. That that impulse to say, that's not true, you're wrong, signals to me there's some misunderstanding someplace, which means this is an opportunity to get it right versus a chance to prove myself right, to be right. So with a desire to get better at managing misunderstandings, I said, Okay, clearly somewhere along the way, you've taken something I've said to mean that things aren't going fast enough. I don't feel like I've ever said that or communicated that, but that doesn't mean that you haven't felt that or interpreted it. Can we clear that up and get on the same page? Can you tell me what I've said that has made you feel that way or what I've said that you've interpreted as that so that we can just be really clear here. And he lists off a few examples. Well, when we were working on the bid, you checked in every few days. Where do things stand? What's going on? When when are we going to have the permit? When is work going to start? I said, okay, I get that. What, from my perspective, was happening is I was just looking for a status update so I could know where things stood because I was managing a bunch of different bids coming in. And I asked him, did you interpret that as me feeling like things weren't going fast enough? And he says, well, of course. I said, okay. Can you see from my perspective, though, that I've never said that? I've never said to you, Jack, things aren't going fast enough. He said, yeah, but it's what you meant. Nope. (laughs) Nope. I was just trying to understand where things stood. So in the future, if you want to give me those updates so that I know and I don't have to come to you, then that would be helpful. But also, I want you to know that if I am unsatisfied with the pace, I'm going to say that explicitly. Jack, things aren't going fast enough. I'm not happy, what can we do to move this along, right? He was kind of stunned by that. I mean, he believed me, but I think what he was stunned by was his initial awareness of the fact that he had made assumptions. And, you know, we kind of joked about it a little bit and I went out to my office a little bit later, but before I went out to my office, I was like, see, this is where tension comes from, buddy. And and I wasn't doing it in a preachy way. We were kind of laughing about it and moving on. And I said, if you take something I say in one way, instead of clarifying it with me, and then you come in here already irritated at a misconception, 
there's unnecessary tension in all of this stuff. And so he, he totally agreed. We were fine. We avoided what could have continued as an increasingly tense relationship. And little sidebar, like 30 minutes later or so, he comes out to my office. He's like, what is it that you do for a living? <laughs> and uh, kind of got into an interesting conversation about that. But these things happen every day, right? It, it's not about having a contractor in your home and getting in an argument with them. It's about having any relationship with anybody. These situations happen at work all the time. When we assume that somebody's email means something that isn't said, we, we read it in a certain way and then we assume that they're pissed off or we assume that they're mad at us or we assume that they're disappointed. Well, maybe not. And maybe they are. But we can't make that assumption without introducing unnecessary drama. Or maybe in your romantic relationship or a relationship with a, a parent or a child or a close friend, they do something or they don't do something. They say something or they don't say something. And we take it to mean something other than what was said or done. We add to it. And this is something I write a lot about in Chasing Cupcakes about what we add to a situation in terms of the difference between the facts and our feelings or our interpretations. So today I wanted to share not only a few more examples, but also a few tips for managing misunderstanding with the purpose being less drama, less stress, less mess in your life. Think about the amount of hours, days, weeks, months, years that you've spent trying to do cleanup or feeling pissed off, wronged, hurt, irritated, sad about something that really was just a misunderstanding that if managed differently could have allowed you to avoid all of those hours, days, weeks, months, years of feeling. So let's get to those tips for managing misunderstanding. And then I want to talk about an even greater area for opportunity, which is our misunderstandings with ourselves, outside of our misunderstandings with other people. But first, a few tips. Number one, and this is specific to man managing misunderstanding between you and somebody else, okay? It's different when it's just you misunderstanding yourself or your own thoughts. Number one, make it a priority to understand where the other person is coming from. We're very clear on where we're coming from, right? We know how we feel. We know what we meant. And when misunderstandings arise, there can be a tendency to lock in on you, what you meant, what you know, how you feel. And one of the keys to managing misunderstanding is deciding to understand where the other person is coming from. So let's say this happened just a couple weekends ago. Uh, the boyfriend was uh, out playing golf. And he had gone straight from work on a Saturday to golf. And I was working too. And also trying to take care of a bunch of stuff around the house and also not feeling well and dealing with the puppy and all of that kind of stuff, which can get in the way of my work. So I think, okay, around a golf, like four or five hours. Well, it had been like six or seven hours 
and I'm starting to get like, what the heck, man? I want to get work done. The dog's being crazy. I don't feel well. Can, can you give me a break? And in those moments, there can be misunderstanding because he's just wanting to play golf with his buddies after work. And I'm just wanting to get my work done in peace and have a little bit of support so that I'm not up late working. But if we're both only concerned with our own perspectives, there's tension immediately. But when even one of us, and certainly it's more effective when both of us do this, but you can only control yourself, when one of us decides to make it a priority to understand where the other person is coming from, the tension and the likelihood for a misunderstanding can go from like a 10 to a 2, you know? So I said to myself, he never gets to golf. He never gets off work early on a Saturday. And honestly, I want the kind of relationship where we do things with our friends without each other. You know, that's a priority for me and it's a priority for this relationship. And from his perspective, he's like, I'm playing around a golf with my buddies. You know, we got behind somebody slow. What, you want me to play, you know, eight holes instead of 18? And I, and I had a greater level of understanding and appreciation and calmness when, as soon as I made it a priority to understand where the other person is coming from, you know? And this can be as simple as like, I told you to take out the trash and you didn't. When we come at it from our own perspective, it's like, I don't ask for much. This is so simple. Why can't you do it right when I ask? But when we come at it from the other person's point of view, there's way less tension. They forgot. I forget things all the time. What's the big deal? So that's the first tip. And these are tips for managing misunderstandings with other people. Number two, choose a perspective of getting it right versus being right. Getting it right together versus being right on your own. Because being right can be a very lonely and justified place to be. So when I was talking to my contractor, being right is, I've never said that. You're wrong. Those words have never come out of my mouth. Look, it's very true. But being right is entirely different from getting it right. Getting it right is, I want to have an easy and healthy and stress-free relationship with you. So if you're taking something I'm saying in a way other than the actual words I'm using, let's figure that out together. Let's solve that problem together versus you be wrong over there and I be right over here. Same thing with the golf situation. Being right is I'm over here working. I'm not golfing. I'm taking care of everything over here while you're out having fun. I could be right and... <laughs> Still don't have the solution I want. I just feel justified in my anger. And that sucks. I want to have solutions. I don't want to be right about being angry. Getting it right requires communication. Hey, I'm feeling a little frustrated and overwhelmed because I'm having trouble getting my work done today. I love that you're having fun with your friends and I love that you're getting to golf because there's not going to be many more golf weekends this year. And next year come golf season, there's going to be a baby, so things might be a little different. How can we make sure, though, that I'm getting what I need today too, which is like 
two solid hours of work time without the puppy before it gets dark, right? I don't want to be doing this at 10 o'clock at night. And you commit to practicing this shift from being right alone to getting it right together, you will not only dramatically decrease the number of misunderstandings in your life, but you will increase the heck out of your own quality of life, your own peace, your own stress level. The third tip for managing misunderstandings is own where you could have done things differently or better because it always takes two. And when there are misunderstandings, we often default to what the other person could have done right or could have done differently. Like going back to the contractor situation, I absolutely, instead of just sending a text that said, um, where do we stand with the bid? When do you think uh, we'll hear back on the permit? I could have made those messages much more clear. Hey, I'm getting bids in from a bunch of different people, and I just want to make sure that I know where all of them stand. Um, ask the question. And then if you'd prefer to send me these updates so that I'm not you know, coming at you with text, that's totally cool too. You let me know what works for you. I could have communicated better. Same thing with the golf situation. I could have said, awesome. If your round looks like it's going to take more than four or five hours, can you let me know? And or I could have said, so I don't know how things are going to go today at the house. I really do need two uninterrupted hours so that I can do X, Y, and Z. Can we work together to make sure that happens? Can you touch base with me before you're golfing to see where I'm at with that so that we can kind of feel like we're both getting what we need today? Own be where you could have done things differently or better. It is more comfortable to point out what other people could have done, but it is more powerful and more effective to always own what you could have done differently or better. Number four, and this tip totally applies whether we're talking about misunderstandings with other people or misunderstanding yourself, your thoughts, your intentions, your goals, your actions. And this is something that you do outside of a misunderstanding, outside of conflict or tension. Practice becoming an expert in your ability to differentiate between what actually happened and how you feel about what happened. Differentiating between what actually happened and how you feel about what happened. You can do this every single time you get an email or a text message or a phone call or you have a conversation that kind of ruffles your feathers. Practice this every single time. What is the difference between what actually happened and how I feel about what happened? Fortunately, in my work, I get to practice this probably 10 times a day, every day, minimum, with emails. Somebody's struggling, somebody's confused, somebody doesn't understand something, or they're frustrated with something. I get to differentiate between what is actually happening, what was actually said, and what do I think about it, how do I feel about it? Or your, your partner, or your child, or your parent comes home and they're in a bad mood. 
Well, what is the difference between what actually happened and how you feel about what happened? How you feel is that they're in a funk, they're being cold, they're being distant, they're being standoffish. What actually happened is that they came home and grabbed a drink out of the fridge and sat down on the couch. You then go to all the things they didn't do. They didn't give me a hug. They didn't ask how my day was. They're pissed off. They're being mean. But when you become expert in differentiating between what actually happened and how you feel about what happened, you understand that the they're being cold, they're shut down, blah, 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 is all a story you made up. Because what actually happened is they came home, they grabbed a drink, they sat down, period. We could come up with a million different things of what that means, but that's not our job. When we get lost in stories we've manufactured, we are creating misunderstandings. Because in the case of somebody comes home, they get a drink out of the fridge, they sit on the couch, and you take it to mean they're mad, or they're in a bad mood, or they're dismissing you, or they're not interested in you, then you're coming into the situation with drama that you've created. You know, So become expert in differentiating between what actually happened and how you feel about what happened. Now, there's a whole other area of managing misunderstandings that I think is even more powerful than this practice of managing misunderstandings with other people. And that is managing misunderstandings with ourselves. We are masterful at making assumptions that get in the way of our own progress or growth or happiness. And they're things that we thought or things that we said or things that we did or didn't do. The way we made a decision or didn't make a decision and nobody else is involved, right? And I think these things happen a lot more frequently than the misunderstandings we might have with other people. The ones with other people are hugely important. But when we can really understand ourselves better and be more clear and calm and drama-free communicators with ourselves, when we can avoid misunderstandings with ourselves, we really move the needle of progress and success, success and growth and happiness. And I've had, you know, I probably have opportunities to practice this every single day, but there's one that really stands out in my mind. And I think it stands out because I very nearly missed a life-changing opportunity because I didn't recognize immediately the misunderstanding that I had created about the situation in my own thoughts, in my own beliefs, right? Now, fortunately, I did, and I didn't miss out on it, but it's anchored in my mind. It's something I think about every single day because I want to constantly be improving on this so that I don't make this similar mistake before. And, and, and as I mentioned, I've shared this story with you before, the backstory of this major misunderstanding that almost cost me a huge opportunity. The backstory is about money and thoughts about money. So I believe personally that financial freedom is for everybody, right? Regardless of your financial status currently, regardless of your age, regardless of your life circumstances, regardless of your marital status or how many children you have, I believe that financial freedom is for everybody and it's never been more accessible than it is today. 
And I also believe in multiple streams of income, right? No matter how good your job is, no matter how strong your benefits are, no matter how much you have in savings or how you know badass your business is, I believe in having multiple streams of income as a, a, a way of creating financial freedom. So I got this opportunity to add an income stream and I very nearly said no because of four things. Number one, my past experiences. Number two, misconceptions. Number three, assumptions. And number four, fears. How many times have you turned something down because of your own past experience, because of a misconception or a misunderstanding or an incomplete truth? How many times have you turned something down because of an assumption that you made about it or a fear you have? And I think those are all four really great things to not include in any decision. You know, like for I know the past one people will say, but aren't you supposed to learn from your past? Yeah, but you're not supposed to limit yourself based on it. You know, if I made health decisions based on my past, I wouldn't ever be able to reach my potential. I would keep myself very, very limited. I really believe that when we develop this ability to recognize in our own mind these misunderstandings, because that's what they are. We're not thinking clearly. We're not thinking completely. Am I making this decision based on the way my past has been? <coughs> nope. doesn't have anything to do with your potential. Am I making this decision based on misconceptions? Something that maybe I think but I don't know to be true or I haven't really proved out or I haven't done my homework? Nope. Never a good thing to make a decision based on. Assumptions. Well, it has to be like this or I figure it's like this or I've heard that it's like this, but I don't know. I haven't done it. I haven't been a part of this. I haven't tried it. Nope. Making decisions based on assumptions leads to massive misunderstandings and missed opportunities or fears. I see this every single day. Heck, I see all of these every single day when clients are trying to decide like what they should do next or, or potential clients are trying to decide um, if they want to work with me. I'm all for people logically and reasonably and rationally concluding that we're not a good fit because it's true, right? I'm, I'm definitely not for everybody without question. But when we are able to recognize that we're making a decision based on past experiences or misconceptions or assumptions or fears, we've got to go back to the drawing board because this is our chance to practice managing misunderstandings within ourselves. So here's what I did. What else is true here? I had to look at what else is true that I haven't considered, that is outside of my past experiences, that is outside of my assumptions, that is outside of my fears. What else is true here? What else is possible here versus the narrow version of the story I've told myself about my fears or assumptions that I've made or past experiences that I've had? What else is possible? What do I not know that I can find out, that I need to find out? What do I not know? What are the unknowns? 
Where do I need to get more information? Who do I need to talk to? I think about what would have happened if I had made construction decisions for my home renovation based on past experiences, misconceptions, assumptions, or fears. Nothing. Nothing would have happened. Nothing would have happened and I would have been figuring out how to sell this home at a loss. Uh, no thanks. That is a huge misunderstanding. But honestly, think about it. If I had made that decision based on my past experiences, I've been burned. Based on my misconceptions, oh, it's going to be stupid expensive and they're all going to overinflate prices and it's going to take three times as long. I wouldn't have done anything. Or assumptions. Or fears. If I let those be the things that made my decisions, I would have done nothing except my only option at that point would have been to sell the house at a loss. And I say at a loss because at that point it was gutted, (laughs) you know, and we had torn out one bathroom and all the plumbing to that bathroom. So definitely wouldn't have got what I paid for it in in that situation. It's easier, of course, to see where other people aren't thinking clearly or where other people are making assumptions. But when you start to make decisions, this is the practice. Am I letting my past experiences cloud me here? Am I letting them direct me here? Am I letting them influence my decision making here? Are there misconceptions? What assumptions am I making? Am I letting fear cloud my decision? And then go to those questions. What else is true here? What else is possible? What do I not know that I can find out? Who do I need to talk to? And these are questions, too, that you can ask in in conversations or misunderstandings with other people. Because this happens every single day. And oftentimes, misunderstandings with other people have an element of the first part we talked about, managing misunderstandings with others. But they also often have a component of self. And where there was a misunderstanding within ourselves. I'll give you an example of uh, one that came up over email the other day. So after registration closed for the fall 12 weeks to transformation, I emailed everybody who was on the wait list for the fall but didn't register, right? So they expressed interest in the fall session but they didn't sign up. And I had... um, one of my assistants go through and and make sure that nobody was on the wait list that was actually in fall, that this email was only going to people who were on the wait list for the fall but didn't sign up. And the subject line uh, for this email was something like, um, next steps if the 12 weeks to transformation didn't work out this time. And inside the email was just four book recommendations. Hey, I know that the fall 12 weeks to transformation didn't work out, you know, or it didn't work out for this season, whatever I said, but if you want to get started, if you want to do some work, if you want to start making change in your life, here are four books that I recommend. And somebody emailed back who was a past client who got on the wait list for fall but didn't register for fall and basically said, Elizabeth, I wish you wouldn't assume that the 12 weeks to transformation didn't work out for me. Um, It did. It was amazing. And then listed out like all the changes she made in her life. Um, Please don't let marketing cloud, you know, your awareness of when you're making an assumption. So she took my email to mean that 
her past 12 weeks to transformation didn't work for her. And I was giving her other tools. But that's not how I intended the email at all. And from my perspective, it was the email only went to people who were on the wait list for fall, whether they've worked with me in the past before and didn't register for fall. And I thought that I was clear in my language that, hey, I know it didn't work out for you this season, but if you really want to start working on yourself, here are four books. But I obviously could have been more clear. I could have said, you are getting this email because you were on the fall wait list and you didn't register. I knew that, but she didn't know that getting it. And at the same time, she also could have said, well, I've interpreted it as this. What else is true? What do I not know? What am I assuming here? What else might be possible? Or who do I need to ask? Very simply, hey, Elizabeth, why did I get this email? You know, versus going to that next level of assuming it means what you think it meant. And that happened on both sides for us, right? I sent the email very specifically only to people who were on this fall waitlist and didn't register for the fall. I could have been more explicit. But because I love this practice, I responded and said, oh, let me explain. You got this email because you were on the fall waitlist and you didn't sign up for the fall, not because I'm making any statement about the past times we've worked together. That's all. I hope you have a great day, right? Period. The end. Easy to see and also a really great lesson for me and potentially if she chooses to see it, a great lesson for her too. For me in clarity, for her in assumptions, there we go. It happens all the time, and we do not have to make it stressful. We don't have to say, oh my gosh, are you serious? She thinks that's what I meant? <laughs> are you kidding me? And on her end, no need to be like, dang, Elizabeth, way to make assumptions. Are you kidding me? You know, it just doesn't have to be a tense thing for anybody. And it comes from these practices. It comes from these practices. I'll also say that Chasing Cupcakes is a really great tool for this. I'll link to that in the show notes, which you can find at primalpotential.com forward slash 669. That is the show notes page for today's episode, primalpotential.com forward slash 669. The reason Chasing Cupcakes is a great tool is because there are over 200, close to 250, I think, questions in that book that help you become a better thinker. And managing misunderstanding is really about asking questions and becoming a better thinker. All the tools we talked about in here, but questions are really a great way to be like, wait, what did I assume here? What is their perspective here? Where are they coming from? How can I work to get this right together instead of being right alone? And another great tool is a book called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, or Don Ruiz Miguel, I can never remember the order. Um, the four agreements, primarily the agreement that is make no assumptions, because there's a bunch of different agreements, obviously there's four, but making no assumptions in that part of the book is a really great way to help manage misunderstandings. And I would love to know as well from you, what are some of your ways? to manage misunderstanding, or which of these tools are you going to practice, you can comment over on the show notes. And like I said at the top of the show, if you have something you want to talk about on the show, if there's an episode that you've been wishing I would put out, but you don't think I have yet, go to primalpotential.com forward slash inbox. And in the meantime, give these strategies some practice because they can make a big difference in your life. Chat with you soon. 
Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.